Welcome to another edition of Radio Watson, the talk show where I discuss the latest happenings in pop culture and entertainment. My name is Buddy Watson, and today I am joined by Kieran Verbruge from Well Played and Press Start. And today we're talking about Kieran's journey in games media, how he got into reviewing games, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. Kieran, KV, how are you? Hey, mate. I am fantastic. It's good to be here chatting to you. Yeah. Uh, it's good to have you here finally. Of course, I think you, you featured in either episode one or two of this when I first uh, started Radio mm. Watson. I did a big episode where I did some Vox Pops and asked a few uh, games media friends and co to kind of answer some questions. And I kind of cut it up together. Uh, it came out much better than what I thought. It was very hard to do that because I'd never done that before. And now going out on my own, it took me forever to edit all that stuff together. But one of the things in that episode, I totally butchered your surname. Uh, and I listen to well-played DLC podcasts all the time and I'd heard it being pronounced. And for some reason, when I came to my recording part, I was like, Fuck, I did, I've got to get this pronunciation right. And I listened to the last three or four episodes of your of the Well Played podcast and you were just introduced as KV and then I just gave up and then butchered it. So uh, it's been like 30 plus episodes running where I've finally been able to get you on here and <laughs> nail it. Great. I love it. I would have forgiven you anyway because people often ask me how to pronounce it and I, I shrug. Mm. <laughs> shrug. Eh, however. Uh, <laughs> just wing it. I don't care. You're like, you're like, I'm not even, I'm not even entirely sure either. Yeah, so. <laughs> for real. I don't know. <laughs> I even did like the the Google Google pronunciation, uh, and get to say it back. Well, uh, it's Dutch in origin, and I've heard Google try to pronounce anything Dutch, and it's never a good time. So, because mm. the other person I have to always do that for is when I'm uh, doing podcasts on the uh, director Denny Villeneuve. Oh yeah, yeah, and I always always used to fuck that up. So it's just like. Denny Villeneuve, let's go. No, we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> um, yeah, first of all, uh, congratulations on your new position at uh, Press Start, which Thank kind you. of just come about in the last week or so um, that you've announced. Uh, you've written for them for some time now, but uh, you're now their digital content producer. I am. Um, well, I guess we'll, we'll just kick it off straight away. What exactly does a digital content producer for Press Start look like? I mean, it's early days, so I'm still kind of finding out. Uh, but, uh, I'm, uh, I'm just there to help keep the content going pretty much. Um, so if you, uh, if you do visit press start anytime in the near future, you will find that a lot of the news and, and editorials and things will have my name on them because I'm, uh, yeah, just a, a regular contributor there now, which is really cool. It's been good to, to do something, uh, where I'm on a payroll. Uh, mm. it's, it's a nice kind of change of pace to sort of have, uh, you know, a, a, a set role in, in what I enjoy doing. So it's been good. It's, I, it's still very early, but it's, um, it's fun. I like it. Have you already, like, have you noticed anything in your own kind of mindset or um, time manager, anything like that with, with, with it being a paid role versus not having a, a paid role, which is, I guess, the majority of the Australian games industry or independent games media in general. Is it kind of like a more relief of like how you approach content now versus, before or yeah it's definitely um like i'm sure we'll get into a little bit more of the other stuff uh outside of press start but you know doing things on a freelance basis or a contract basis or you know a voluntary basis is very uh very hard from a time management perspective because you you really do have to weigh up you know the cost the time costs to everything you do 
Um, whereas having, you know, a set, set day or set hours to sit down and just work on content, uh, it's quite, it's, it's quite freeing, which is sort of seems like an oxymoron because you're, you know, tied down to something, but, um, it's actually kind of the opposite. So I'm sure, you know, given enough time, I'll, I'll, uh, feel less free, but it's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a nice change of pace and it's nice to walk away from work rather than walk into it uh when you're sort of doing it in your free time if that makes sense yeah absolutely because even uh, I, I rarely release podcasts here but i know other people that run websites like zach with well played uh dylan explosion network also have huzo with player two and everyone around there. all those big teams uh, check when everything like to run those things and to not be paid and doing it out of like your own passion for it mm. uh, sometimes you just have to like zach was saying he's like sits down and allocates all right this is my this is my well-played time or yeah. this is my games review time. Whereas it's a bit easier for me because I just have to go, well, this is my podcast time, but then I can choose when I want to do it because I'm really going to set schedule. But for everyone else that kind of has, you know, these are my five days I work. These are the two days I have. This is when I commit to my, my side hustle or my hobby. Um, you always, even whether you're paid or not, you, that you kind of still have to approach it that way, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, um, it's a constant, constant fight for balance. Um, so I don't envy anyone who does like contract or freelance style work full time as well, because, you know, not knowing when you're going to be doing something or not knowing when to start something or where, where to allocate your time is, is just as, uh, just as intense as, um, you know, using your own free time for stuff. So mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah, it's just every, I don't know. It's, it's a wild, it's a wild world. Everyone, everyone handles things differently. Um, You've got people on one end of the spectrum, you know, that have set schedules, like like you said, like people that have podcasts and things that sort of, you know, they have a day to sit down, you know, they know what they're going to do, they plan their time out, and then you've got people that, like me, that just uh, take on work and then take on more work and then take on more work and then, <laughs> because, you know, you got all these opportunities and you're like, oh, this is really cool, I want to play this game, I want to write about it, oh, this is really cool, like, interview opportunities I've got, oh, I want to cover this, and then, like, you turn around and you've got 400 things on the back burner you're like shit um, is, is there is there ever been a moment where you're being like oh my god i'm in over my head i've actually you know committed to too many projects or things and and starting to realize that oh my god they're all coming around the same time or all the time um <laughs> i th- most recently uh a good example of that is is the the far cry 6 and metro dread and nintendo switch oled embargoes which were all very very close to each other um and i had to pull at least one all-nighter just to like you know play through especially just like with with games reviewing it's it's you know the biggest challenge is just finding time to play through games Mm. um and especially when you take on multiple games at once or you take on a game like far cry or like judgment that's you know huge in scope and size and you you want to a make sure you at least get to the end credits but b make sure you're actually you know exploring what the game has to offer and trying to play it at a pace that represents what people would play it at, which isn't ever going to happen. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, a. sometimes it's too much. Often it's too much, but you do, you do it for the love, I guess. Do you ever find that, um, how you review stuff and getting things out in times with embargo, like you were saying before about playing at a respective pace that others would consume the game at? Mm. Do you ever find that like, Oh my god! I've got to get this out in seven days. The lead time is three days for this. It's X amount of hours. Does that ever does that ever change? Or how do you 
how do you write a review or give your opinion on a game without kind of that having a negative influence or an overly too positive influence because you've kind of you, you, you kind of it's like the Netflix style right mm. you're kind of binging this it's like binging a season of TV in a day yeah it's 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 a constant yeah it's a constant struggle and I think you've got to get really really good at removing your experience from how how you've played something versus how other people would play something or, or kind of recognizing what that experience should be in a more realistic timeline because the like the reality of it is people reviewing games especially to you know tight embargoes are never going to play something in the same way that the average consumer would um and i think like the the most common way for that to affect a review negatively or to affect a review score negatively um is games that are hard or games that require you know a lot of uh, a lot of thinking or a lot of you know problem solving when you're trying to do that in a hurry um things that should just be you know fun challenges feel like unfair challenges um mm. or feel like they're they're blocking your progress and it's hard not to go oh you know it was really hard to progress in this game when the reality is that you were just trying to do it as fast as possible and it wasn't designed to be played that way <laughs> um but then on the opposite end of this spectrum, and it's something I've like, I feel like I've seen or I see more now that I've been writing reviews for a long time is uh, almost like a Stockholm syndrome effect of, you know, you sit down, you put your headphones on, you play, let's say Cyberpunk 2077, because it's got a four day embargo. You sit there and you play it for like 48 <laughs> hours straight and you take your headphones off at the end of the 48 hours and you go, wow, what a fucking ride that was. Like that was like, an intense experience like i was so absorbed i was so immersed and then like you know you come back to it two weeks later and you're like what is this what did i play like this is not great <laughs> so is i that think jackson like, far cry 5 syndrome absolutely like i worried that that would happen with far cry 6 as well because like i, I was you know writing my review and I, it was overly positive i gave it a 9 out of 10 and i'm like how much of this is just because you know i was so immersed because i was mm. dedicating so much time to it and like how much of it is me saying you know or, or kind of reassuring myself that my time was well spent as well like you know if i have to pull an all-nighter to review a game i've you know there's almost this you know worry that some part of your brain is trying to justify that and go yeah but you had a really good time or you know this is worth worth doing so i think learning to recognize those feelings and learning to sort of step outside of yourself and and assess things uh critically is uh, it's hard well it's definitely a skill set you have to have yeah it's not just something you can kind of switch switch on and off or you just naturally get i think the fact that you're talking about it you're conscious of it um that's a great like first step of it i think i did a review for dark pictures man of madan mm. and i can't i think i got like i gave it an eight or a nine at the time and if i like a week or two removed from that i, I I don't even know if that review exists. I think it's been deleted. But I, I thought about that. I'm like, man, I, I scored that way too high just yeah. because I binged that all in one, yeah. one session. And um, maybe I gave it a pass on, on, on some things that, you know, like performance issues. Like, you know, I was kind of like told, hey, these will just be patched in or fixed up. I'm like, maybe I didn't address that as as, as much as maybe what I, what I could have. But um, I definitely ha have had that feeling like, oh, did I give that? I think I definitely gave that too much of a high school. Like, I would never go back and play that game now or that or 
talk about fondly of that experience. It's just something that happened and now it's gone, you know? So That's it, yeah. I mean, like, review regret is real, no matter how good you are at recognizing that stuff anyway, or no matter how generous the embargo was. Like, you're always going to go back and look at a review and go, oh, I don't think I got that right. Or, um, you know, after years of a game being out and public discourse, you know, continuing about it, kind of reassessing what you thought originally as well. But, um, yeah, it's good to be able to recognize those factors that influence it mm. that aren't good. Uh, is there any one review that kind of sticks out now for you that's like, if you could go back and review something that like, oh, maybe I gave that too high of a score or maybe I gave that too low of a score? Oh. <laughs> I, this is, okay, so this is maybe going to be a little bit controversial because I don't think I've ever expressed this opinion before. Um, but I gave Super Mario Odyssey a 10 when that mm. came out. And... I based that review largely on what I said at the time was, you know, like just a constant stream of creativity and imagination. And that hasn't changed. Um, But after finishing that review and kind of sitting on the game for a while and coming back to it to collect, you know, the game's all about collecting moons and, you know, there's hundreds to collect and you can sort of find them in all these different ways. After going back and kind of playing the end game of, of that game properly, because um, I did finish it and I played, you know, through the end game, but I never kind of went back to 100% it. There's there's a lot of things that were frustrating about it, a lot of design things that I sort of didn't discover until going back. And I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe I don't feel the same way about this game. And also giving it a 10 kind of puts it in this very particular pillar that now when i <laughs> review other games i'm like oh yeah but i gave super mario odyssey a 10 I'm like, damn it <laughs> yeah um i don't think i ever got I, I think i finished it but i never got all the moons and i was one of those people that like was obsessed with 64 mario got 120 mm. stars and i'd go back a, a year later or two years later and do an 120 star run yeah there's like, just too many moons in yeah. super mario <laughs> that's it no, that's all it is like, cheap I, ways to get them you could buy them as well yeah like i i still love the game it's still easily one of my favorite platformers of all time but there's definitely uh things that i didn't pay enough attention to when i first reviewed it that i, I see now are you know issues with the game mm. it's tough like you said before about stockholm syndrome or being kind of so obsessed with in that making that your world mm. uh, and then coming out of it um how do you like how do you avoid recency bias and kind of I don't, it's, it's hard with reviews like you, you with the like lead times right to kind of like with an album or a movie you watch it two hours or an album 40 minutes to an, uh, an hour it's like if you want to write a review maybe you can sit on it for a day or or watch or it just, again or, or, listen or watch to it, it again, again like or skip to certain parts of a yeah. song or s- check out scenes or stuff like how like do, it, that's it's a bit weird with games right it is a bit weird and i guess like one of the one of the things that I've had to develop quite slowly over time is just my review process. Um, and I, I feel like I'm at a point now where the way that I review things kind of covers off a lot of those bases. Um, and uh, I, like, I guess I'll explain a bit of that, but my memory is terrible. <laughs> if you ask me, anything about Far Cry 6, probably my most recent game review, I could not tell you. I just, I I don't remember anything. I don't absorb any information. <laughs> um, so, you know, over time, what I've learned to do is, is take notes, which is, seems like an obvious thing. 
Um, but I over over time and and taking notes and playing games, I've started uh, not just taking notes about you know what I'm experiencing or what I'm seeing or what's in the game, but actually formulating thoughts while I'm playing and writing those thoughts out in full while I'm playing a game, so that when it comes time to actually write about it, I can go back and I can read what I thought at that point in time and kind of compare that to how I feel when it you know when I finish the game or at a later point in the game and kind of edit those thoughts and then kind of go back over them again and it's like you know everyone's going to be different everyone's brain works differently and everyone kind of processes information differently but for me I found that that's really effective in uh, getting a better idea of how I feel about something because I can see how my thought process has evolved over time in a way that's more effective than just reading back that you know there's 40 guns or you know there's like this much (laughs) land it's like how did i feel about the guns at that time and after playing for 40 more hours how do i feel about them now um so that's kind of been my yeah my process in in reviewing games but also uh making sure that my thoughts uh aren't just you know knee-jerk reactions um, and that they have evolved over time. It's 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 kind of a fine line in a review between just explaining what is in the game, but then, like you're saying, explaining if that's good or bad and how it feels yeah. and translating those into, into thoughts. Like sometimes reviews can be really like formulaic and yeah. like this is the story, this is the campaign and, and, and kind of forgetting the opinion part mm. of it, which is something I really struggle with. And I'm, I'm like you, I don't really, I hardly ever review games. I've, I've done a handful in my time um, because I'm, I don't feel like I'm a great writer or anything, but for me, when I had to do them or was wanting to do them, I definitely had to take notes on the fly because I said there would yep. be no, no way I would have been able to do that. So yeah, um, it's encouraging to hear that <laughs> you do that as well. And it's so, <laughs> it feels like it's so important and part of the process, especially doing the whole, full fleshed out thought yeah at, at the time yeah that's so. it and everyone's like everyone's review style is different obviously as well like you know you, you you said you mentioned like the formulaic review where it's like here's what the game's about and here's what the gameplay's like and here's what the graphics are like and you know at some points every i think every game reviewer has to fall back on that sometimes mm. you just don't have the you know the thoughts or the writing to really kind of express something unless you know you, you just sit down and you put it in that format and you you get it out um but and then you know other times you you have one thought that kind of balloons out into this beautiful like 1500 word piece of poetry that like perfectly describes the game and you're like yes this is great <laughs> very rare that that ever happens but um those are my favorite reviews you know where it doesn't explain everything um but you understand the feeling uh, and the intent of the the person writing it and, and what their experience was. Um, but mm. yeah, like one of the first kind of things that I had to do, because um, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it more, but when I first started writing games reviews, I hadn't done any, any writing before um, or very, very little writing before. Um, and one of the first kind of lessons that I had to learn was to write a review and not an instruction booklet. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that everyone who reviews anything learns pretty early on, you know, when you start getting too much into like, you know, you know, this is how this works or like when you do this, this is what happens. It's like, yeah, that's cool and useful information. You know, some people out there are going to want to know that the inner workings of a game, but they can get that from, 
gameplay videos and you know deep dives and editorials and literal instruction booklets like it's yeah write a review not an instruction book that's like my internal mantra or it was that, that's... when i was when i was still kind of very green yeah i, I kind of like that um it's uh the formulaic reviews it really i guess it really depends on games like some of those some games with systems and everything like you kind of really need to know you know if the formulaic reviews read really well yeah um uh, yeah and, and i mean quite so- informative and then the other stuff um like i guess my two favorite reviewers in this kind of scene are mm. definitely you and then oh. the other one would be james james wood i'm not just saying that because you're here um that it I guess that's why you're here because you're one of, <laughs> one of my favorites. But um, his review of Telling Lies as well, um, it's just one of my favorite reviews. Uh, and I, I never got to play that game because it was on Xbox or PC or whatever. So yeah, um, it's it's how do I describe it? It's it's kind of like a it's it's definitely an art form. But like you were saying, this 1500 poetry really yeah. instead of being in the book is really cool. I love um, that. Yeah, who who are you? Who are you? Some I guess. Do you have any other reviewers that you've kind of, um, I guess, to be kind of influenced your reviewing style, or uh, a reviewer that you instantly see and go, "Oh, I, I like that person's opinion. I'm going to trust their opinion on on games because they also that's a that's a Kieran game or whatever." Or um, as far as just reading reading reviews, is there anyone that you kind of like gravitate towards? Like, uh it's. Like more recently, um, I've started paying more. It, it sounds bad, but I've like only since starting to really write reviews or or write anything, I've actually, you know, started to pay attention to to who's writing them. And you know, when, when I was young, I would jump on you know like the old the old regular sites that are still operating, like Gamespot and IGN and stuff, and I'd read reviews, but I just never paid like too much attention to who was writing them. Um, mm. When I was really young, my favorite. Uh, favorite place to get reviews was hyper magazine yeah um so like that's 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 pretty old school but um nowadays like i i really really like uh brody gibbons writing uh who was another yep. writer at press start and that's probably one of the things that kind of drew me to press start um every time i read one of his reviews i'm like i feel bad i'm like <laughs> when am i ever gonna when am i gonna get this good <laughs> um and uh, Charlie from Checkpoint, um, yep. her perspective on things is always so interesting. Um, and there's quite a few games where we've both written reviews for the same game. And I've like instantly just gone to Checkpoint to read their review because um, I, I know that I'm going to read something that I didn't think about. Well, the most um, recent would be like Lost Judgment. I think Lost Judgment, yeah. Did a really Although good we, did, that. we did have like quite a bit of behind the scenes banter when we were playing that game um so that was that was cool um but yeah again like it's it's cool to read you know a range of regular sort of writers that i that i trust and that i enjoy because there's so many different sort of trains of thought um and i feel like that really helps my writing as well because then i start to pay attention to things that um that i normally wouldn't Mm. um but yeah I have like a host of reviewers, like a certain game will come out. Like it's definitely, it's a buddy game or it's, it's a puzzle game. It's a yeah. new game or something like that. As soon as reviews drop for specific titles games, I'm like, all right, if Kieran likes this, I'm, I'm going for it. <laughs> or if if Dylan Blight likes this, I'm going, you know, I, I know I'll, I'll like it. 
or I'll just instantly ask him, like, is this a buddy game? Or should I buy it? It's like, yes. All right, cool. I'm done. That's all, that's all I kind of needed. Um, whereas, like, with the big AAA games come out, it's kind of like a wider spectrum for me. I'm kind of just like, I've got to see what everyone is, is kind of uh, saying as well. And that's when I'm more into... If if Paul has, has done a review, he's he's more like a uh, from a technical standpoint, like the way I see it. Yeah, uh, that, 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 then that's what I kind of gravitate towards. So, yeah, I think I think as well, Australian outlets especially have gotten really good at sort of curating their voice and their tone as an outlet. Um, so sometimes it's not even just the individual writers. Sometimes like I'll be able to I'll see a game that's coming out and I'll go, you know what. I know that the guys at Game On are going to have a really good review of this because mm. they, you know, it's it fits their tone, or they. I know that they would have picked a writer that sort of fits their tone, um, or you know, well played. I I really enjoy when the uh, the other Kieran at Well Played puts out a review because I think like yeah, it's really good. You you get a feel for um, the tone of of that website dating back to its do even Game Bro days. um and just like the colloquialisms and the and the the jokes and the you know i love it references to things i've never heard of because he's like 40 years old no offense kieran (laughs) (laughs) i I love it i love all plates identity like the the pun headlines the kind of uh you know the the, like the little in jokes and 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 fun fun stuff that Mm. is kind of linked, linked into the views like even just the, the captions for pictures that are in reviews are kind of really lighthearted, but um, it makes it like I guess more relatable and uh, yeah, easy to consume as well, and and still having a really good process in, in place. Um, I guess we kind of danced it a bit around it a little bit, but uh, kind of got 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 off a big tangent and jumped right into it. But reviewing, um, like how how did you we've talked, spoken about your process, but how did you kind of get into it? So. There's a moment when I was 16, I don't know how it happened, but I started writing reviews for free for a website in the UK called Ace Games, and they're gone now, but I think it was just like one of those websites that I just regularly went to and I sent them a sample and they were like, hey, you can write. And I was like, yeah, I was literally 16 at the time, and um, they would send me like burned review copies of ps2 games like i had to go and get my ps2 chips to play like apparently that was just how it was done back in those days uh uh, yeah i had to go get my ps2 chips so i could play these like burned like preview builds of like uh it was like tomb raider and stuff on the ps2 it was it was weird um and then like that that didn't last very long and then i kind of didn't really go anywhere with that at all uh and then i won a competition at well played i think i won a copy of like Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishments or like the Devil's Daughter, one of those two. Um, and I had to message Zach Jackson to, you know, collect my prize. Um, and I think, you know, we kind of recognized each other from a lot of the Facebook groups at the time, um, like the PlayStation 4 owners groups and stuff. Uh, and we got to chatting and I don't know, like, I, I guess I must have just like let slip that I wrote reviews at one time. And he was like, hey, do you want to review this game? Uh, I think it was Rhyme, uh, like that little indie Zelda-like yeah. puzzle adventure game, which is really, really cool. Um, and yeah, I wrote a review for that and kind of just snowballed from there. Nothing super yeah, glamorous. Nice. I won a copy of a shitty, sorry, Zach, a Sherlock Holmes game and um, yeah, and started reviewing games for Well Played. 
that's amazing. Uh, do you remember what you gave Rhyme? For, uh, I think I, I think I gave then? it an eight, and I like I feel like that. I feel like it deserves an eight. Yep, that was a, a good little game. Was good. Uh, yeah, some full on themes in that one. Mm. Um, so Rhyme first game. Uh, like you said, you're 16, and you're kind of reaching out to this UK website that you're kind of consuming. Is that something you or like? writing reviews is that something you always knew you wanted to do from that age or or growing up reading hyper magazine and that stuff or did you kind of just fall into it i think it was the magazines i think like i would i would literally buy every issue of hyper i don't know if you have i don't know if you're aware of like a an old like kids magazine called k-zone i had like hundreds of them (laughs) Um, and I would like literally go and buy the newest K zone and just like flip to like the two pages they had about video games, read those and like move on. Um, so I just like, I just always love reading about video games. Um, so yeah, it just, I guess it just felt natural to want to then do that, to want to want to write about video games. Um, I think because I, I, I feel like playing video games and, and reading about them, uh, two different two very different and very valid ways of experiencing them i don't think you yep. necessarily need to you know i don't think playing a game and reading about a game are going to give you the same experience of that game and i think you can do either one without the other as well so um you know i think there's plenty of validity to just playing games and never reading anything about them there's validity to just reading about video games and never having time to actually play them um, and with the and with the time we're in now yeah, there's also twitch and watching people play those games well that's it yeah it's 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 such an interesting medium because you can you can absorb uh, and consume these things in so many different ways that uh, you know will give you a different experience and be just as valid and rich. Um, mm. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. I just it's I love I love the way games do that. So to be able to you know have my part in that is I think it's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, with, with your kind of, this, this is one I asked Simon, uh, so I, um, told a few people, Simon and Dylan, that I was going to be uh, talking to you today. I'm like, you got any questions for Kieran? And, and Simon came up with a good one that he kind of worded way better than what I could have. And he said, can you remember the moment you decided reviewing games could be a career and not just an interest? Like how soon was that? Or would that come later? Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember what game it was. But I, I think it was the first time that I saw my words in like a an accolades trailer or like in a promotional marketing thing, and like I, it, I I don't like say like part of me doesn't want to say that because I know there's like a weird stigma about you know accolades stuff because there's obviously people out there that might chase those on purpose. But uh, I, you know, I trust most reviewers that I know and read that you know that's not the case. Um, and also like when that happens it's not really like attributed to you it's attributed to the outlet so it's it's, there's not there's no real benefit to it but just um you know knowing that someone out there uh whether it was you know a studio or a publisher or a pr agency someone out there with ties to actually putting this game together and and releasing it read those words Mm. and i think that's the moment when i was like wow okay it's not just like randoms on Facebook clicking on like review links, reading the stuff. It's like people that, you know, that it matters to, um, that have a stake in it. Um, so I think that was like, 
that and also getting to fly to LA like three times in a year. Um, <laughs> probably like the two things that sort of solidified it. Yeah. That's kind of harkens back to what you said earlier about, you know, you're not getting paid for this, but then you've got to treat it like a job and allocate time to it. Whereas now you can allocate time to it and get paid. Getting the accolade trailer, that's kind of like the payoff, right? Yeah, it is. Like, yeah. Because it's, it's easy um, to kind of just like PR to go, here's game code, outlet, A, B, C. Uh, all right, all do your reviews. Everyone does their reviews. They get the scores. All the scores come back. You know, PR has their metrics. Like, you handed out X amount of codes. We've got X amount of scores or feedback, blah, blah, hmm. blah. Cool, you hit your KPIs. But then for that, you know, for those people to actually click on it, read it, and then say, hey, there's something good in here that we can use to further market the game or whatever. That's That, that must be, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's it. Um, you, I think you're right. It's like it's like the payoff because um, there's not a, enough of that for people that are doing it for the love. Um, mm. You know, yes, you get to play a lot of games for for free, but you've also got to put in a significant amount of time and effort to actually, you know, keep up your end of that relationship. Um, so, you know, putting out a review is is like a kind of a relief because it's done, it's out there. Um, but then, but then you know, seeing a result from that, whether it's yeah, somebody retweets your review from the studio or puts your words in a trailer, like yeah, you're right. That's like that's the payoff. That's the reward for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people that deserve a lot more, but it's something. Mm. I think even from like a, any type of content creation, like a a twi- you know, you're Twitch streaming, it's all of a sudden you have like only three viewers, but you're, someone's in a chat asking you, or uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a podcast here, and all of a sudden someone's like, oh, I listened to that podcast. It was good. I'm like, oh, people listen to this, or yeah. oh, people are reading this, or oh, people are watching this. Like That is the reason you're doing it, right? Uh, I guess That's it's it. not as much for me because just chatting to people and talking about interests is kind of enough, but then for people to first of all consume it and then like it like oh okay this is cool this this makes me this makes me happy that's it yeah <laughs> so it's, it's an endorphin hit absolutely yeah. uh, and you just spoke about uh going to la three times in one year that's that's pretty impressive um that was through press start was it yeah so that was all yeah. that was all for press start so um the first time i went to la uh, i'm gonna say that it was 20 19 but i could be wrong his time means nothing anymore (laughs) um but it was around that time um i went to la for a big preview event for borderlands 3 um so there was you know media and influences and stuff from all around the world basically Uh, and that was actually the first time that i'd ever been outside of australia as well so wow yeah um so that and then was you did it three times, and then you did it two other times. Literally, the only times that I've left this country are to go to LA, usually like the same area, and like stay there for two days and see basically none of it. Uh, so <laughs> it's um, it's really cool though. Um, it's yeah, it's it's such a such a wild experience, and one that I'm hoping will come back in some form. Oh, but who knows? Man, if, if I can just travel into state, I'd be happy. Yeah, right. If I can travel outside of like my postcode. <laughs> um but yeah it's even worse for you isn't it but yeah and um then, so, I, yeah. so you, you're writing for well played how does the the press start stuff come up how do you get into that i think that was just from uh you know mutual friendships so hmm. you know uh 
obviously Zach Jackson and um, Shannon Grixty, who's the managing editor of Press Start of Friends. Um, and you kind of, you get into these circles. I think I met Shannon a couple of times at different events like PAX and stuff. And um, I guess he was a fan of my writing as well. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he reached, yeah, he reached out to me uh, about a couple of review games that he needed someone for, and it kind of just blossomed from there. Um, yeah. yeah, again, nothing, nothing majorly exciting, but, um, yeah, it's, it was cool to be able to kind of get recognized for, for my work and, and build up a, you know, a new, new relationship. And, um, yeah, Shannon's been really good at sort of giving me, trusting me with opportunities because, mm. you know, outside of starting to write for Wellplayed, like I don't have any formal experience or qualifications and you know going to la to write about borderlands 3 is like a pretty big thing to trust someone with in the first place so um i owe a lot to him for that for just for you know i still feel like every day that i i sit down and and go to work on stuff for press that i'm like i don't how is he letting me do this like <laughs> how is he letting me log into the back end of his website like does he know who i am um, that's exactly why because he knows who you are yeah. and what you're capable of um there's pretty big trust to send you back to la as well you must have uh been pretty impressive with the borderlands 3 stuff you because i remember you going back there for like the last of us yeah stuff. Went back, was that right went back for the the last of us and the outer worlds hmm. um but the yeah the last of us was a big one um i think there was only two other people from from australia on that trip um wow. Yeah, it was uh, Grizz and uh, Alice Clark. Um, yep. So that was cool because they're great people. Um, I actually feel bad for not mentioning uh, either of those when you were talking about people that I admire because I I've, I followed both of their work very closely. So um, yeah, that was that was an experience. That was very very cool. Um, being in a room with the old mate Neil Druckmann. Um, you know, hearing him talk about the process to, to building that game and being one of, you know, one of the first people in the world to play it. Um, that's something that I'd never thought would happen when I first started writing. Um, so yeah, that's probably, probably one of the highlights I think of the roughly four years that I've been doing this. Yep. Um, I guess, yeah, well, I, well, I guess we could jump straight into that. Cause, uh, yeah, I did have here what were some of your bigger highlights. Um, I guess that's one of the ones that's up near the up answered, near the top. But answered. Next yeah. question. Any else like notable that you uh, jumps out and doesn't even have to be on the grand scale of, like going to LA and The Last of Us, but something that's just like uh, something super cool. Yeah, I think that like, I mean, there's, I've done heaps of yeah, I've done a lot of very very cool things that I just just blow my mind still. Um, like meeting Katase San, like the father of you know Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, that was very very cool. Interviewing him was intimidating as hell. <laughs> um, and I don't interview people well at the best of times. Um, also on that sort of same vein, getting to talk to um, uh, Erica and Felicia. Uh, Erica being the um voice actress for Alex Chen in Life is Strange True Colors and Felicia being one of the writers. Um, that's probably one of the coolest like chats that I've ever had with people from the industry. Um, I remember swearing at them at one point and they were totally cool with that. 
<laughs> so that was good. Um, yeah, there's like, those are probably the other two things that I can think of off the top of my head that I was like, yeah, that was really cool. Um, yeah. but you know, it's like the Australian game scene is, is so cool. And there's so many things I can think back on fondly, like packs and, you know, beers after, after a sweaty day on the packs floor, like just like, <laughs> you know, stuff like that, just rubbing shoulders with other people from the industry. Like that's always really, really cool. Yeah, I cannot wait for PAX to come back. Like oh. we were so close. I know, um, but next year for sure. Like next year, hundred percent. Unless the social aspect of unless we get some new disaster. Like I think we're good. Yeah, like an Omega variant. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I miss PAX, the social side of PAX, and and seeing everyone and just putting faces to names. Like mm. even you know. I I listen to well played podcasts and read all your stuff and then I was like oh there's Kieran uh, I think that was at at a work thing interstate and I was like oh this is gonna be awkward as fuck but I better go over and say hi <laughs> and actually <laughs> say hello and so many of those interactions I've also had at PAX as well it's like yeah I talk to this person interact with this person online but is it gonna be awkward is it gonna be yeah I better just get this out of the way and it's like the more that happens the the more comfortable you are with uh yeah uh, with people so absolutely. It's quite good. And um, you spoke about uh, interviewing and not being the best interviewer mm. at times. Um, what was kind of the first interview you did and how do you kind of stack up as far as games media, like interviews versus reviews versus news piece and how are you juggling those and yeah, what's your um, preference and stuff? I think the first time I interviewed anyone was at the Borderlands event. And I think that that was a bad start because they didn't tell me who I was interviewing ahead of time or what their role oh, no. was. And I did like three of them in a row. It was, it was this weird, like they would bring you into this room and they'd go, Oh, this is this person. All right. Ask them questions. And I'd be like, what? I don't know what Why you might hear. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> um, so that was, that was super weird. And I remember I got to the last guy and I was like, what's going on, man? <laughs> How's your day been? Like I had just dropped all pretense. I was like, I don't, you know, you're the guy that designs like that does the textures for like gun handles and stuff in Borderlands. Like, I don't know what to ask you. I haven't had enough time to prepare for this. Like we just ended up having like a really good chat, um, which was okay. But like, yeah, I think that was just like, and I, I don't know about other people's experience, but that's been like a weirdly common thing to, I think it's more in the in-person events for them to just kind of bring you, bring you to someone and be like, you know, here's this person and you can kind of prepare questions about a game in like in a broad spectrum, like beforehand. But when you get to someone and you've got all these questions about the story of a game and they're like the combat designer, it's such like a weird, like, like you panic. You're like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I don't, yeah, I don't handle uh, conversations like that without enough preparation very well. Um, yeah. And I also have a tendency to write and prepare lots and lots of notes. And uh, same as I do with reviews, like I really, really need to write things down. Otherwise I won't remember them. Otherwise I'll go in into an interview just with just completely blank. Um, and then I find a lot of the time, especially over zoom now, cause mo you know, most interviews are done virtually. Um, 
I'll get so fixated on reading my notes about what I was going to ask them that I will miss what they've said in response to the last thing that I asked them. Um, and, you know, that's kind of the skill in an interview is actually listening to people and then like coming back like you're doing now very well, might I add, um, actually oh, listening to people's responses and then coming back with questions that relate to those. And I'm like, I, I just, I think but that's the thing about interviews, right? You've, you've, if you interview someone or speak to someone, uh, that's a, a good, good interview. They, they, you know, ask them a question. They just keep talking. They give you good answers. You can feed yeah. off that. You can bounce off that. And then you can kind of go back to your kind of maybe set structure that you had before, or they're going to answer things that you've already addressed. So it, all, it kind of depends on who you're interviewing, right? Yeah, like, uh, absolutely. Um, another, another good one actually, uh, which probably should have been one of my writing career highlights, but probably isn't was the, the time that I interviewed Tim Schafer. Um, who is probably, you know, one of my favorite game designers, uh, creators or directors. Um, uh, I interviewed, uh, him and, uh, Lisette, uh, teacher Montgomery, who was one of the art leads on Psychonauts 2. Um, and Tim had some technical issues and turned up to the interview. It was like a half hour slot. He turned up like 15 minutes in. Um, which like, you know, totally not his fault. And he was super, super gracious about it and super apologetic and even offered to like stay on a bit longer. Um, but I got through, I burned through all my interview questions with Lizette, like before he got there. Um, and she yeah. was super great to talk to. So like, I kind of just got excited and I was like bouncing off her with all these great questions. And <laughs> we had this like really good rapport. Um, and she, she's super talented and, uh, I, you know, I really like to see where, um, where she goes next and what she does next. But yeah, then by the time, you know, Tim Schafer came on and like this guy that I, you know, I've idolized for so long and I had all these questions for it. I kind of already burned through them and I didn't want to repeat them. Mm. Um, so I was just like, I love you, man. Like, <laughs> I was just kind of like fangirling <laughs> over him and I could tell he was like, what's going on here? Um, <laughs> so that was weird. Um, I think I'm just a little bit socially awkward, to be honest. Who isn't? Who isn't? Who isn't going to? I my. Not, a lot of video gamers. Oh, like a lot of video gamers are socially awkward. I feel like oh, yeah. me included. Not to generalize too much, but yeah. Um, I feel like uh, this pandemic is going to be a great equalizer, though. I'm really kind of banking on everyone coming out of this really socially awkward, and then I'm going to feel like I'm on <laughs> on a level with everyone. <laughs> on <a> level. Else. <laughs> it's like it's like weird. It's like uh, everyone's everyone's kind of struggling, but every you know all these other people that have online you know majority of the friendships are online or through gaming or something like that and it's like i'm coping with this a lot better than what i would have been if i was some socialite going out every every single <laughs> right. every single right. night like having it shut down so uh, uh i feel we're like the new, we're the new kings here now we're the new kings that's right yeah um just wanted to touch on that news pieces as well and churning out like news pieces oh, versus yeah. games review and that kind of being like a little bit of games review being you know, poetry and a bit of an art form as well mm. and, and how that can be uh, versus the kind of news pieces and having the ability to churn them out quickly. Like, well, how do you find that balance of, of doing both? Um, it's it's tough. It, it can be tough, um, especially when you're in an outlet or part of an organization uh, that's not necessarily run to to produce an income, um, you know, not necessarily monetized, especially like well-played, um, where it's kind of like, you know, it's up to everyone involved to put effort in, knowing that there's no real reward. Um, and there's, you know, there's some absolute heroes at well-played, um, like Adam, 
yeah, he who, busts him out, doesn't he? who's now been uh, upgraded to the title of news editor, which is a nice little bit of recognition for him. Um, but he, yeah, he just churns them out. Uh, I have so much respect for that because uh, I definitely like get bogged down in my review slate so much that I that I forget about that sometimes. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's different with every outlet as well. Like at Well Played, we have a very kind of um, it's not not like a policy. It's not you know a rule or, or very set in stone or anything. But there's this kind of vibe that everyone's sort of mutually agreed on. Where if you're keen to review a game, then you'll cover that game. Yes, um, and I feel like that works pretty well. Uh, cause you know, if you, if I know that I'm going to review X game and then some news comes out about it, it's kind of like the onus is on me to, to push that out rather than assuming someone else is going to do it. And then no news happens. And then PR looks at it and goes, why haven't you talked about this game? Why would we give you a review code kind of thing? Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of inner workings in that. Um, but you can, you can see it in the outlets where people are really passionate and work really hard because they do have that constant stream of news and it does fit and align with their tone and their interests. Um, and that's why it's good to, you know, follow a, a good variety of, of writers and outlets as well, because not everyone's always covering the same thing all the time, because that would be counterproductive. Um, so, you know, you kind of have an idea of where to go to see news about certain things, which is, which is good. Um, it's tough because news is everywhere and every outlet's covering the things. So it's like from a totally um, you know, logic perspective, it's like, oh, well, only one place needs to report on this, the most popular place, and everyone will see that there. And kind of everything drips feed down and the people that are reporting the same thing as everyone else, they aren't going to get as many views yeah. because everyone just goes to an IGN or a GameSpot or, or, or whatever. So yeah. um, I know within myself, I've actively, over the last two to three years, consumed less I IGN and less of the bigger websites. Um, I think it's more because of what, you know, they're kind of trying to shotgun approach now and less, you know, could go on the front page. Now it's like TV, movie, everything, mm. nothing's one identity. But now I know that like on my desktop at work or even on my, you know, my, my favorites, I've got, you know, explosion network, well played, you know, checkpoint player two, uh, all that kind of stuff. Power. Yeah. All that, all, I have more of the Australian outlets and I, I've kind of reflected that in my podcast stuff as well. So I always have a lot more Australian outlets now and less of the, the kind of the funnies, the IGNs or whatever. It's always kind of like supporting, not just more of the indie people or my friends. Uh, you know, they weren't my friends at the start. <laughs> I became friends yeah. with them. Um, but I guess supporting that kind of, that Australian perspective and, and kind of being able to relate and that thing. So um, I think it definitely is important. I think people do, I think there are other people like me that do do that and actively do support uh, Australian out outlets and, and things like that, all content creators. So um, it's not all falling on deaf ears good that's good <laughs> it's always good to see like um i knew that adam ryan was a big uh uh house house marquee uh, mm. no, no, house, no house mark <laughs> fan so i knew that he was going to be the one that recovered returnal i think i was that's asking it. yeah zach as well like is adam's doing the returnal review and he's like excellent i'm like cool i once again i'm going to trust his opinion because everything he said about house mark games is is uh kind of marries up to how I feel and and seeing him cover all the the returnal stuff in, in the lead up was was quite good too so yeah uh, I that's think it that kind of makes sense and works um of course most of the games stuff is unpaid independent on your own time hobbies and stuff it's good that you got the well played gig uh sorry the um the press start gig now as well uh but how how have you found juggling 
all this kind of stuff and having to review Far Cry 6 and Metroid and the new Switch and having all this time with a regular day job. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's hard. Um, and there's definitely been many, many times where I think that, uh, you know, burnout has been a real thing. Um, and, you know, crunch is a real thing when you're trying to juggle a day job and, you know, a hobby or, you know, like an interest where timelines aren't predictable. I think that's the hardest part is, you know, putting your hand up to say, you know, yeah, cool. I'll cover this game and this game when they're a month apart, but then the review codes come on the same day and you've got, you know, similar lead times. It's, it's really kind of like, there's, there's not a lot of clarity about around, you know, what your time looks like at any one point. Um, so adding that on top of, you know, a full-time job is, uh, is super tricky. Um, and that's something that I, I, I don't think I have a, like a good handle on yet. Um, and, and this year I've, I think I've gotten a lot better at kind of recognizing that when I'm taking on too much, um, and maybe not putting my hand up for, for so much, uh, in excitement whenever, you know, I see news about a game or announcement about a game going, you know, I'm going to cover that. Like, uh, the, the FOMO is hard to conquer. Yep. Not being one of those people that like gets to play it first and cover it. Um, but you kind of got to let go of that a little bit because otherwise you do just, it just piles on. Um, but yeah, like, like it, to be completely blunt, like I've, you know, probably sacrificed way too much of my free time in the last four years. Um, mm. And, you know, that's probably affected like, you know, my health and my relationships at points. Um, and that's something, you, you know, people need to be super conscious of, especially if they are doing it as a hobby. Um, you know, there's got to be boundaries. Uh, and that's hard to do when you've got to answer to, you know, not just, the other people at your outlet, but you've got to answer to, you know, PR who, who are giving you the op- these opportunities. Um, you've got to answer to people who are going to read your content and want to know that it's, you know, uh, like a well-rounded and informed and you've actually put the time in. So um, I have like, yeah, so much respect for other people that do the same thing that, you know, are unpaid and, and spend their free time uh, outside of their day jobs to, to cover games content and, and write about games. Cause you know, it's, there's, there's so much given, not a lot of take. Um, yeah. Yep. Do you think there should be more of an onus on like PR? I guess it's tough for them because with games development and, you know, the, by the time games go gold and having, you know, updates and being able to send a game through or like a, a game review code to an outlet and having it in a good enough shape before that day one patch, or if they plan on doing that, and having that reflected in the review, is there more of an onus on developers or PR to make that better? Or because sometimes the lead lead times can be ridiculous. The cyberpunk one was, was yeah. kind of absurd. That's yeah. one of the more notable ones. There's there's a bit wild. There's definitely instances, and I think that's one of them where the lead times uh, and the communication from publishers feels disingenuous. Um, I feel like something like cyberpunk um was it was a tactical thing where you know the mm. shorter the lead time the less likely it would be for people to 
to turn up issues. Um, maybe they were aware that they could create that kind of like bottle effect where people's opinions would be swayed by, you know, the amount of time they were pumping into that in such a short time frame. Um, you know, that game should have just been delayed, uh, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> so it's in everyone's opinion. In everyone's opinion. So you know, that's kind of that's that's a tricky one. Um, but like for the most part, I think that um, the in- it's not really an intentional thing, and uh, I'm sure from the perspective of a lot of PR agencies, you know, games writers are all kind of like on an even slate. Um, but the reality is different. You know, everyone has different commitments and responsibilities outside of writing about games. Um, but then you get, uh, you know, if you if you do start pumping out games earlier or giving them, you know, giving uh, writers and outlets earlier access, you also run the risk of leaks um, yep. and things like that. So, you know, while on the one hand, sure, giving a game uh, to a smaller outlet, you know, a month ahead of release, knowing that their time is precious would be a great move. It's also a smaller outlet and therefore in the eyes of a, a business, less trustworthy. Um, yes. So less reach, less reach as well. Less like bang the, for their PR buck. <laughs> like the, that's it. You know, would you risk your game leaking so that, you know, an outlet with, you know, 10% of the reach of IGN can get a review out in time kind of thing. So it's, it's this, there's, there's so that, many different t- variables. Nintendo's had recently, I guess with Australian, Australian market, there was that Australian person that, did something, I think, last year. Yeah, or two years I feel ago. like Nintendo so. cops a lot of it uh, mm. from around the world, just leaks of things. A lot of um, stuff leaks. I hardly ever see any any other leaks outside of like the big Last of Us one. Yeah. Um, um, a little bit unprecedented sometimes. Yeah, that's it. I um, Yeah, I mean, I could talk about leaks and and stuff for, for hours because um, I do have... <laughs> Uh, I do feel like there's some things in the industry that maybe are, are guarded a little more, bit more closely than they need to, uh, than yep. they need to be. I think that... Um, well, you, you look at other industries, right? Like film yeah. and um, even albums. Like, <clears throat> I guess it's, you know, dropping songs to get people to consume a whole album or even, hey, we're filming, you know, what was it the other day I saw... Uh, Gilmore Del Toro's next movie is in 2020 or someone, you know, some movies in 2023. It's about, it's the, the name this and it's about this. And if you really wanted to, you could probably find the screenplay on, online already. Or... That's it. Yeah. Um, it's such a, it's such a different, <clears throat> a different field in games um, where, I don't know. I feel like inviting more people to, to understand what you're making. It should be, a, you know, beneficial. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, very guarded. Um, what you're saying, like juggling with work, how has your work been? Do they kind of have they been supportive? Is it is it a bit tougher? Have you been able have to be like forced to like use leave and stuff, or do, do they kind of get it? Does does it does it help that they're they're kind of in the same interest? Well, my yeah, um, I feel like. Uh, I've been lucky to work in a place where uh, I feel supported um, and I feel like my my interests are actually regarded um, and and my, you know, future is regarded whether it's within said company or not. Mm. Um, I feel like uh, without 
giving away where I work. <laughs> I feel like um, <laughs> I feel like they, you know, they are very people oriented, um, and they do sort of there is a there is a level of um, recognition that the people that work for them are human beings. Um, mm. So I've always kind of had probably way more leeway than I should have. Um, I have taken a lot of leave. I don't think I've got any leave left. Um, <laughs> mostly for things like you know going to abroad um or or the occasional like i'm not going to meet this embargo like can i have today off like kind of thing um but uh you there's a fine line there like you can't take the piss obviously um obviously yeah yeah. i would understand if they'd shot down like half of the days that i had off or all of the days that i've had off over the last four years um but it's yeah it's definitely like it's been good to to work somewhere where um my yeah my progress and my achievements are celebrated even if they're not directly responsible for the company's bottom line so yeah that's um, that's awesome yeah uh, that's great that's uh definitely helpful when you're kind of trying to balance the two things and you not get paid for one and, and one's your kind of your livelihood so that's fantastic you spoke about fomo before and uh having that fear of missing out of like having to be involved with maybe everything or being a part of just something as it releases. Mm. Um, how do you go about like at the start of the year, do you kind of like pinpoint like, all right, this game, this game, this game, this game, I definitely want those games. And then will I be able to make it happen? Is there some kind of time management system you map out or yeah, is it so a more scattershot than that as, as stuff's announced? I um no, I keep a spreadsheet. Uh, I keep a spreadsheet and it's got, uh, you know, a list of all the games for any particular year that I know I want to cover and that I'm interested in. Um, and that obviously evolves over time as more more things are announced and more release dates are put in place. Um, but that spreadsheet is a mess because, <laughs> like, again, like, like you said, I, it kind of started with the intent of, like, these are the things that I really want to cover. Like, this is my short list of, like, the games that I'm, I'm really passionate about that I want to cover this year. And then that short list gets a lot longer. You just add list. to it. You just add to it and you add to it. And there's a state of play and they show off like seven cool new indie games. And you're like, sweet, seven <laughs> cool new indie games to put on my list. Like, um, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things. Uh, I kind of, I think I've abandoned that spreadsheet this year, actually, because. It's in the bin. Printed it out so you could scrunch it up and throw it into a bin physically. Yeah, because I'm sure, like, I'm sure Zach goes and and reads it and emails the PR and is like, "Yeah, we want to review this game," and then comes to me with the the key and is like, "Hey, it's time to review this." And I'm like, "Man, I'm not doing that." <laughs> too much. Shit I don't remember going this. Here's like a screenshot of your spreadsheet that he sends you. <laughs> um, um, yeah. One of the, uh, I guess, with that as well, like balancing like playing games for review and then playing games for leisure. There are other times that you're playing games for review that you know i guess there'd be a ton of games that you play and you review and it's like well these are the games i would have played anyway for leisure mm. and i'm getting that same type of ledger experience out of it i'm just also doing a review awesome two birds with one stone yeah but then there's the other time like are you missing out on other leisure games that you're not reviewing but like oh here's my you know like, for, for me personally like oh, i want to play no man's sky right yeah i haven't played it since it came out it gets all these cool updates and like it's in my backlog i'd yep. love to just go back and play that i have it sitting there I can do it at any time. We should I play don't. it sometime. I love No Man's Sky. I haven't even started yet. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we should. Do you have the leisure time to play? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go. Yeah, it's like 
so I guess that's the thing. Like, how many games do you get to... Like, I'd love to go back and just play, fire up my little SNES or NES Mini here mm. and, and just go through older all, all type games. And, uh, you know, I've got other stuff that I wanted to play that's more retro. But it's like, how do you stay on top of everything, do your work, and then find the time to do stuff like that? I feel like you kind of hinted before, right? Your last four years, you feel like you may be too much work versus yeah. the leisure, like the free time. There's... There's so many games that I really, really want to play, um, especially when I read about them from from writers and stuff that I admire um, that I just haven't. Um, uh, the Outer, Outer Wilds being one. Um, and I thought I thought I had a remedy for that when Well Played started doing the, um, the yearly pledges where we'd like, you know, <laughs> pick an assortment of games from our backlogs and... Um, and you know, pledge that we'd finish them before the end of the year. And I haven't, I've failed every single year so far. Um, and I think this year I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to play this real smart. I'm going to pick like 21 different indie games, but they're all going to be relatively short, so it's going to be fine. Um, and I've played like two of them, and it's like <laughs> what October, so that's not happening. Um, no, you're done. I'm Sorry. done. I'm out. Uh, that's another another year failed. Um, but. Yeah, it's one of those things where just like, and when I do have free time, I will 100% go back to something I've already played because I've used up my my brain like on the on the review games. Like I'm, I'm done like having new experiences. I just want something that I already know that I can switch off and just like, you know, it's safe and I know it's good and I don't have to assess anything and I already know how it works and like I can just sit down and play it. So um I have a lot of catching up to do. A lot. <laughs> um I really want to play The Forgotten City. I have I have a copy of it and I've played maybe like half an hour of it. Yeah, so that's one of those ones like, oh this looks like a buddy game and then it's like it's X amount of hours long. I'm like Alright, I'm just gonna have to cut that one off. Yeah. I won't play that one. That's oh. it. Um I'm th- I'm thankful that I like you know, I'm I'm not, I'm not reviewing games. I'm not like having a weekly podcast where I have that kind of discussions anymore. I'm kind of just cherry pick what I do now. So it's always been easy for me to go Far Cry 6, Ubisoft game, open world, first person. I know that's not a buddy game. I don't have FOMO. I can just X that one. Like there's, yeah. I love when there's a lot of games. It's like, oh, thank God I don't have to play that because <laughs> it's not a me game. But then, like you said, a million indies come out. It's like, oh my God, now I'm playing. Now I want 20 of these things. Yep. So... I feel like at least knowing what type of games you like, it's a bit harder for you because you're doing the reviews and everything, but um, knowing what you have and, and kind of getting past that FOMO can really save your money and save your wallet, uh, but then save your time as well, which is probably most valuable. Uh, I feel like we kind of have similar game game tastes yeah. um, in, in, in some regard. I have this thing called, uh, you know, it's a hashtag buddy game. Um <laughs> What is a hashtag Kieran game? What is, oh, what is the, what is the, the, if someone's like walk up and you and go, what's a Kieran game? What, what are the components of it that make up a Kieran game? I think, and this is, this is going to be a very off the cuff answer. Um, I think that the, the perfect hashtag Kieran game, uh, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a particular genre. doesn't have a particular art style or, or particular features, but it, a definitive hashtag Kieran game uses uh, uses the medium to 
do something to like tell a story or to impart a feeling or to say something that it couldn't have in another medium, which is a very, very broad and flowery way of describing it. But I think that's what I like most in a game. And I, I think that's something that I can recognize in a game ahead of time and, and sort of go, yeah, you know, that's, that's an experience I want to have. Mm. Um, I think a lot of um, indie games are doing that now. And like, that's, yeah, they're, that's they're the forefront of innovation. Absolutely. Cool um, and that's why I like the indie game sphere so much. Um, mm. But, you know, also like platformers just as a genre, like automatic hashtag here in game for the most part. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah. So good. Um, Dylan Blight from Explosion Network. Shout outs. Uh, he said, "Do you ever get sick of playing games?" Mm. All the time. And um, what do you do to combat that? Especially because you're using, you know, you have to do it. Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just trucks on through. I no. I'm. I'm. <sighs> I haven't gotten sick of games in a while, to be honest, but there's definitely been times where I sit down and, you know, f- with fully with the intention of playing something and I just go, no, nah, I'm not doing this today. I'm not turning on a PlayStation or an Xbox or a Switch. Um, but because like so much of what I do in my spare time is play games and write about games, uh, I end up feeling completely lost and I go back to playing something. So um, I don't know. It's like, I it's, it's good that the games I like is such broad and rich experiences and have so many different kind of, you know, evoke so many different feelings and emotions. Cause I'm sure if I was just like super into, you know, sports games or shooters or whatever, um, I would burn out on them super, super quickly. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. I feel like there was a I feel like there was a point maybe in like the Xbox 360 and PS3 generation where I had like a good few months where I didn't play anything at all. Um but you know, in the last like 5 to 10 years the the medium's just grown so much that you know, you you can just continuously do different things uh with games like i said like you you know even when you're not playing them you can read about them or you can watch people play them on stream or you can you know consume content about them so um i think it's 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 easy to to find something in video games or adjacent to video games that's still fun and entertaining even if you get sick of playing them yeah i definitely feel like video games have definitely cut into my movie watching time <laughs> i used to be so film orientated but um i guess with yeah, just more games coming out and console generations ps4 and, and now the ps5 is just like it's gone extra hard and i i always have these times when i kind of fatigue on games and i've, I've had it more recently as well like i've had life is strange is one of those games like one of my all-time favorite franchises i've been waiting for the new life is strange game brought it day one it is sitting there just untouched it's yeah. like this is one of my most anticipated games of the year and it's just sitting there i haven't touched it i've gone back to play like apex and just my rocket league my numbing games mm. you know got back for blood recently and i'm playing that maybe because it's so like all these are guys like, social games like I'm playing with yeah. other people so maybe maybe that's what it is but i'm just like when am i going to put this disc in and just commit my time to like i've been looking forward to this what is happening why do i not feel like this right now it yeah it can become frustrating but 
sometimes it can be liberating as well. Yeah, that's agree. it. That's I think that's totally valid. Like it's funny you were talking about No Man's Sky before because that's kind of been my game for that. Where um, that you know I'll go periods where a bunch of a bunch of cool games that I've been looking forward to will come out, or I'll I'll have games on the back burner that I really really should play, um, and then I'll go fly around the universe in no man's sky for like another 50 hours just because <laughs> it's something else you know um so that, that's that's totally valid and i think that um it's good to have uh fallbacks um and i actually like i very very rarely spend time watching movies or tv um but then if i ever if there's ever a moment where I don't need to play something, like I'm not working on content or I just don't feel like playing anything, I'll just, I'll binge like two or three, you know, different TV series. Um, mm. And that's kind of like a nice little reset where I get to experience something passively for a little while and then I can jump back into it. Um, yeah. So like, you know, recently I had, I think I had like almost a full week where I didn't have anything on my content slate. And I binged... Uh, That's impressive for you. <laughs> it is impressive. I binged um, Sex Education and uh, Dairy Girls because somebody told me I should watch Dairy Girls. And I was like, no, that looks terrible. And then I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I think Squid Game as well. Like I just watched like a bunch of stuff in a row. Um, and then I went back to work on Far Cry and stuff and it was really good. So, um, you know... Yeah, a little a little bit of a reset and a clean slate isn't too bad. Nice. Do you think uh, being a person that is a trophy hunter? Um, is Am I, are we calling me? Will we, we calling me a trophy hunter? Have I fallen that deep down the rabbit hole now? I think I think you've got like seventy plus platinums at the moment, right? Yeah, I think it's almost a hundred now. Hundred now? What? Oh my god, you picked up the pace! Like, damn. I've been able to see your profile for a while because it's uh, you've been playing oh. <laughs> embargoed games, so yep. I have been able to stalk you like I do. I, I stalk everyone's profile, see what everyone's <laughs> playing, and oh yeah, I might get it. Is that an easy platinum? How long did that take? Yeah, uh, is that kind of what's it like being uh, you know, kind of a completionist? Is that like part of your? Is that how you are as, as 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 a person as well? Is that part of your character, or do you particularly just like? committing time to this is it, is it a bad thing is it a good thing um i think that i just i think like going back to talking about fomo i think that that's something that i experience on like different scales um and especially when i play games i i sometimes struggle with putting something down knowing that there's stuff i haven't seen um and i think also setting expectations for a game when I first play it. And I think trophies kind of play into both of those. Um, like if I am looking at a game and I'm like, yeah, that looks really cool. Um, it's easy to see uh, from a glance, like looking at its trophy list, like what kind of experience <laughs> I'm in for, you know, um, whether this is going to be, you know, something that I'll have to replay multiple times to get the most out of, or whether this game just looks like overly punishing or, you know, um, or anything like that. And then when I play the game, you know, I can, I can play it and, and then look at the trophies and go, Oh, there's stuff I haven't seen yet. Um, or there's things I haven't done yet. And, and kind of know that, uh, you know, there's a path to that. Um, and I actually like only started heavily playing on a PlayStation console, maybe halfway through the last generation. 
Um, so I used to be super into achievements. Um, and I think I've got wow. like, I think I've got podcast like- over. Thanks for coming, Kieran. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Um, I guess we'll, yeah, enjoy whatever happens. Good luck in the future endeavors. Uh, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got maybe like a hundred thousand achievement points on my Xbox profile. I don't um, even know what that means. I don't even know how that translates. I think that's like a hundred platinums. Oh wow. That's um, impressive. But I haven't earned an achievement in like years probably other than maybe like psychonauts and stuff that i played for review um but it was the same story there like it's i like checklists um i you know i struggle to stay on task with things and checklists are a good way to hold me to a game as well um to go oh no like you know don't move on to this game because there's more of this game still um so I don't like there's there's definitely a degree of like bragging rights and stuff in it, obviously, and being able to go look at all the things I did. Um, but I think it's less that and more just being like I said, being able to go into a game with an expectation of of what I'm in for, and also having some kind of assurance that I know that I've played it to the most that I can. Yep, I think I definitely share a lot of those personality traits uh, with checklists and and having to know that I've done everything. So, um, almost kind of jumping out of the games review stuff, but I wanted to kind of go more into like your, I guess your gaming journey growing up mm. and how you got, got into video games in general. But, um, I just want to kick this off, uh, this discussion off with this question, favorite game of all time. <laughs> Sorry. Like that's like out of nowhere. I just like uh, side no, Um, my, my favorite game of all time is, is final fantasy eight. Uh, hands down um is that triple triad that is triple triad um that's the game that's i think most influenced my taste and my love for video games so i wouldn't even say it's like what i would consider the best game ever made but it's definitely the one that means the most to me um i yeah i replayed that game almost every year Um, oh nice which is you know it's a jrpg that's like it's it's an undertaking, but uh, yeah, I love it. If I if I had more editing powers, I would like do the rewind sound, and then it would play a clip of you like, yeah, I just get no leisure time whatsoever, and then like fast forward, and like, yeah, I play it every year or so, and like, play it. Oh, I never get any leisure time. Or I'm just a, yeah, I play it every year or so. No, I've I've learned how to I've learned how to speed run it now, man. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Yeah, excellent. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, that's a very nice answer. I never really played too much of the final fantasies uh growing up i think i played a little bit of seven but you know when you're a kid and you have a chipped playstation and you play like an hour or two hours of like every game ever made at the yeah. time, <laughs> at the time <laughs> uh, doesn't really count um but the one thing that did appeal to me in final fantasy 8 was always triple triad i wish i could just oh, play yeah. that game on its own um as i'm not really into card games or anything but if i could just play that and not have to do all the rpg or final fantasy stuff that would be that'll be fun yeah come on square enix give us a give us physical triple triad decks yeah that's right why isn't that a thing it'll be digital and it'll be pc only um <laughs> be a mobile game in <laughs> yes. purchases of course of course sorry i fucked up that meme um i guess yeah throwing back to we've had all this stuff discussion about you know being games review games media all that kind of stuff all the cool stuff you've been through but um video games how like what how was your first experience getting into video games uh growing up i think that the first 
I'm pretty sure the first video game I ever played was on a Sega Master System that uh, our neighbors gave us when I was five or maybe even four. Um, and nobody in my family had any idea what to do with it. Uh, you know, it was just a console. I don't think there was any like cartridges or games or anything. Um, but the Sega Master System had that cool thing where like you turn it on without a cartridge inserted and there was a game preloaded onto it, uh, which was Alex Kidd in Miracle World. So that was like the first video game that I ever played, you know, a platformer, surprise, surprise. (laughs) Um, and I would just play that like religiously like day in and day out to the point where like even now um you can actually play that game there's like a simulated sega master system in lost judgment um and you can actually like buy sega games like the full games and play them on there so you can actually like buy game currency or or, uh you have to purchase the no (laughs) like in 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 game (laughs) currency like it's there's no no extra out of out of that purchases needed um but yeah, like, and obviously, like, that's built into the one that you first get in the game. Um, and I, despite having a deadline for the review, sat there and played through it. <laughs> I never get a match of time. <laughs> um, and, like, the muscle memory is still there. Like, I just, like, blew through that game like it was nothing. And that's, you know, because I spent so, so much time on it as a kid. Um and from there, I just like, it was just all, I think because I think the reason my, my video game taste is so like weird and, and kind of eclectic is I was just, like you said, like the kid with the chip PlayStation, I was just playing whatever was falling into my lap. I wasn't going out and, you know, seeking out specific games or genres. Cause, um, you know, growing up, uh, I like my family dynamic wasn't very good, um, I, you know, I didn't grow up, I grew up basically in poverty. Um, so whatever I could get was what I could get. Um, and I was lucky enough that there were, you know, kind of a strange family, like, you know, sep- like aunts and uncles and things that would, you know, kind of hand me down consoles and stuff to play or like, you know, again, like super generous neighbors that would hand us like consoles to play and stuff. So, um, you know, I was kind of just playing whatever I could get my hands on. I think at one point, I think my first PlayStation console was a a PS one, like the like the mini version of the, the PlayStation. PS one, the, the literal PS one. Um, I think I Another won part. it. I think I won it at like a BP across the road from my house. Wow! Um, and it came with a copy of Spyro three, uh, and it didn't come with a memory card. So oh, I learned no. I learned to play that game in one sitting as well. Um, and I just. Yeah, like so many, I think we got it chipped at one point and I just, again, like would just experience all these games that, you know, you wouldn't go to a store and like pick it up off the shelf and pay for it, but it was there and it was something I could play. So, um, yeah, it's just my, you know, my journey with video games as a kid was definitely one of like wanting to, you know, wanting escapism from things. Um, But I think I'm... I'm lucky in that, you know, that kind of passion stuck around and I could turn it into, into something. Um, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think I owe a lot to video games um, in general. I think they're awesome. a, a powerful tool for a variety of reasons. 
definitely. And if you like Spyro, you can go head over to Well Played and uh, read uh, Kieran's article about uh, top five God. fuckable dragons. Is that I like? Think. Does that is that mean anything in the context of what I just said? <laughs> 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 is that a part of it? Like you, you that was your you know, your first PS One. You won it. You got Spyro. Is that kind of the the? It's held on for those years, and you always had. I feel like that list ingrained into you, into your subconscious. I feel like if anyone who listens to this, who's like a psychologist, they're going to be like, <laughs> "What is the correlation between like a twelve year old kid with no memory card spending like thirty hours straight playing Spyro, and then like growing up to write an article like that?" Oh my god, he had no memory card. He 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 can never remember stuff. He has to write them all the down. <laughs> like this psychologist writing all these like, <laughs> It's far. Uh, too, too deep. Yeah, that article. That's- what an article. <laughs> That's one of my favorite well played articles, along with Zach Jackson's freaking Music Two Thousand article and uh Spinal Tap thing. It's <laughs> the most absurd stuff. I love it. God. Uh, um Must be yeah. fun doing those like, kind of articles every now and then though, right? Those are great. I think that if you um, they don't come along very often because you kind of have to have like a spark of, of inspiration and then an editor who will accept that you've just told them that you're going to write a listicle about the most fuckable dragons in the Spyro Reignited trilogy. I think that there's like, there's like a perfect storm happening there. Um, but that was incredibly fun. Um, when I look back on that article, my writing was atrocious back then. Uh, in comparison to, to what my writing is now, but it's still very, very entertaining. Um, yeah. And I just like, I, that's like one of the best performing articles we have on the website at Well Played. <laughs> like, no joke. Um, oh, fucking, that's so good. Me. And like, I, 95% of the traffic for that was people who were not into the article like the actual content just of the into dragons and we're just like what the <laughs> fuck is this <laughs> um dragon porn xxx well played what the hell is this um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was good that was actually like i feel like that was a um a rare moment where i got to express some form of like my sexuality online which is like mm. a bit of a tangent to go on, and I'm sorry about that. But like, um, not no, go, go not it. that I'm like a scaly, uh, but like you know, <laughs> those he's a furry people. Calm down, <laughs> calm down. You know, growing up uh, as what I you know being a straight male for so long, or identifying as a straight male for so long, and then like sort of writing an article like that, I think it, like it was kind of like liberating, you know. Um, it's kind of like, I can, I can write these words and put them on the internet and people aren't going to like attack me for, you know, not it to my face. Um, but you know, I have a platform to say things like that. Um, and Mm. it's, it's accepted, which I think I, you know, Zach should get a lot of credit for, um, the freedom that he gives people to write it well played in, you know, about the things they care about or in, in ways that they care about. So um it's a it's a joke article but it you know kind of like has an impact which is cool i'm pretty sure if you go to the well-played website and you go in dark mode it's the the banner is still the pride pride it is yeah because i because i'm in the dark mode all the time because light mode fucking sucks he's he's a crazy um if you have in light mode so that's pretty good that it just wasn't a like a one-off like here's pride month throw it up and then change it back see you later 
Yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah, between like, because I, I know you obviously you had Zach on here to talk about his journey with Well Played, um, mm. and and the attachment and the and the meaning behind the 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 old Do You Even Game Bro title, um, which is a, a really cool story, and I really kind of like that story behind that name. But it is it's also very cool seeing the transition from that to what Well Played is now, because um, it's it's a very different uh group of people um and you know there there's been a, a lot of initiatives and a lot of a lot of work towards you know making it a diverse voice mm. um which has been really really cool to see yeah i was almost going to wrap up the uh the podcast but then you that the spiral article actually is just like give me a million other things to talk about so uh no i really prep up <laughs> um so yeah like <laughs> uh about this, yeah, I guess what you're saying before about the Spyro article and like, it's it's an opinion piece, and instead of just having like games reviewer, KV, uh, and then reading your reviews and kind of like a little bit of understanding who you are as a personality based on how you use your words and what kind of game reviews and opinions you have, but something like an opinion piece is definitely like, hey, this is the type of person I am, mm. um, this is my personality, kind of, you know, jokingly around or. Uh, you know, not super here's my formulaic review or here's these yeah. words and i guess the, the other flip side of that would be also the well-played dlc podcast yes um how, how do you find i guess podcasting because I, I i love listening to you guys and for me uh, it's just it's more about like knowing the personalities in there and just as much about all the in jokes as, as it is like oh this is what we played this week this is the game reviews and um being really personality driven so how have you found that as well as having a, a voice not just being like a platform for showcasing your personality yeah i um uh, i think i feel like uh i hope zach's not listening to this bit um i love recording the well-played podcast it's probably like the highlight of my week a lot a lot of weeks because it, it's so cool to you know sit down with these people that you work with and just like have you know a chat and have good banter and have, like you said, those in jokes. And, um, especially, you know, the last couple of years, it's been a really good social connection. Um, but I would never encourage anyone to ever listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it always like, whenever someone's like, Oh, you know, you know, on the, on the last episode of the podcast, when you said this and I'm like, what do you, what you listen to that? Fuck me. I'm always that person. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like you or Simon or like Dylan or someone that's like, hey, the World Play podcast, like this happened. And I'm like, shit. I don't <laughs> oh, think no. I, when, I'm, when I'm saying that stuff, I don't think about anyone listening to it. So, <laughs> um, but I, I like that about it. Like it's, it's, it's very liberal and loose. And, uh, you know, a lot of podcasts are a lot more rigid and structured. So it's, it's, there's something freeing about not expecting people to listen to what you're saying. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and then and the flip side of that is obviously you've started streaming with uh, on the on the the fortnightly Wednesdays. The, the fortnightly you... Wednesdays that have been on a little bit of a hiatus recently, while um, yeah. while life stuff happens. Um, but uh, do you know? Do you know what? What, what do it? you what, know? What do you know? I just I just I just merged. Do you want a game, bro? And. Uh, <laughs> you know together I, I'm, I'm i'm an i'm an idiot um how you find that jumping to that platform and, and streaming that's been interesting i think like um i really like uh 
trying new things uh, creatively or like learning new creative disciplines. So um, kind of learning how Twitch streaming works and figuring out, because I make all the layouts and, and, you know, effects and stuff for the stream, um, you know, kind of learning how to do all that and learning how all of that works and, and learning how Twitch functions as a platform and what makes it tick and what makes people watch things. Um, that's been like a really, really interesting journey. I can't wait to get back on it because um, I feel like we we kind of just had to hit affiliate before I like, you know, moved places and had job changes and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like that's probably not going to happen again until next year, but I'm really, really keen to get back into it. Um, and that's kind of like a whole different thing because that's like creating in real time. So you're getting feedback from people in real time. Um, so it's not like, carefully editing words and putting them out there for people to read or like doing a podcast where, you know, you're like, Oh, you know, I don't know if one person's going to listen to this or a hundred, like you can see in real time, how many people are actually engaging with your content. That's kind of like, it's, it's daunting um, mm. when you, when you first start doing it, but um, it's also like a very, very strong sense of community there. And we, we don't have like a massive viewership for, for what do you know, but it's a lot of regulars and people like yourself that we kind of, you know, we know, um, and like to drop in to just say hi and kind of support it and, and keep it going. So it's, it's cool having that. Um, Cause again, there's like that instant kind of feedback and reward um, for creating something. Cause you sort of engaging with people that, then and there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I still, I don't watch enough streamers still. I should really, really watch more streamers cause there's people out there that just do like the coolest stuff. Um, and I just, I, I just want to learn it. I just want to be like, how do you do that? Like, but time that, yeah, exactly. I got to do my yearly final fantasy eight playthrough. I don't have time to set up. Yeah, man. It's, it's, oh man, he's only got, Kieran, you've only got two, you've only got two months to go. (laughs) Oh boy. Triple triad ain't going to play itself. (laughs) I've got the, literally got the, like the theme music in my head. (laughs) Um, before we kind of wrap it up, mm. uh, we're going to do it in great, uh, well-played podcast style, and we're going to do a little bit of off-topics. Um, All right. And quickly just go into... We're, we're kind of doing... Uh, you know, you, we did. When you, when's your favorite game of all time? Uh, let's just see if... Uh, what about movies and, and, and music? What's your favorite movie of all time? And what's your favorite album of all time? This is, this is like an all-time off-topic, so people can kind of get more of a picture about what makes KV tick. Okay. Well, if you can't give me that, maybe this year. Um, no, no, I think, I think we can work with that. Um, Excellent. my favorite movie of all time is probably Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Nice. Um, yeah, I feel like it's Pan's Labyrinth or Fantastic Mr. Fox. There you go. I'm allowed to. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Del Toro versus, uh, Wes Anderson. My my two favorite directors, yeah. like hands down, um, yeah, and both of those movies are the movies that got me into those directors. So, um, yeah, but music is a tough one because this like, <laughs> so my favorite, my favorite musician or band or or artist uh, is Mindless Self Indulgence, which is a holdover from when I was a teenager. Um, and a lot of it is is kind of hard to listen to now um but i still kind of like you know 
I've got, I still regularly buy their merch and records and stuff. Just it's got like so much nostalgic value for me. Um, but I think that my favorite album of all time, purely from like a, like this is an album that I can just put on and listen to from beginning to end, um, is 808s and Heartbreak by Kanye West. Oh, nice. Oh, man. Welcome to Heartbreak, the debut of Kid Cudi in that as well. And Kid Cudi, one of my favorite artists. So good. Oh, boy. So, so good. Um, yeah. Bit disappointed in his latest effort and in his latest antics, but that album stands <laughs> the test of time. Absolutely. All these years later, uh, was Team Swift. You had to be on Team Swift. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I guess before we wrap it up, uh, one more question. I know we went the off topics first, but uh, where do you see yourself? Like, what's what what's what's the next step for uh, the KV in games media and the games video games industry? What's the goals? I've got the way I see it. I've got two options. I'm either going to move into the production of games in some fashion. I would love to actually be a you can part make a game of, with Dylan. I can make totally make a game with Dylan. Um, we can make where we're not here to fuck spiders together. No, we are here to fuck <laughs> spiders. Sorry. Um, oh, very good. Uh, that means would that mean you have to move back to WA or yeah. he's moving? <laughs> I'm not moving back to WA. <laughs> yeah, he can move. <laughs> um, yeah, like that's like if 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 my like career on the games industry side of things ever progressed even from like a PR perspective or like, you know, a marketing perspective, just being involved in releasing a video game would be super, super cool. Uh, that's something I would really, really love to be a part of. Um, but in the event that the game side of things doesn't pan out, now that I've developed and honed my writing skills, I really would love to write an erotic novel. Of course, of course. Yeah, where are we? We're an hour forty in, and it took took this uh, this long to get to the, uh, the 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 erotic KV memes and. But it would have to be it would have to be good, like yeah, like do you have like a an outline of something I do. Kind of in, in the pipeline? Yes. Are you able to share it, or is it too early? Well, no. If I share it, that means that nobody can steal it, right? Whereas if it lives in my head and somebody else thinks of it, which would never happen, um, <laughs> then I have no ground to stand on. So fuck it, let's do it. All uh, right, well, bam! I'm just adding like twenty Radio minutes here, twenty exclusive. minutes there. <laughs> no, we're we'll supposed to end this podcast hour and twenty. We'll make it really yeah, quick yeah. and we'll, we'll close on. No, you we'll can go as long as you want. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, when when the game thing doesn't pan out. I will write and and publish, uh, probably self-publish, to be honest. I don't think anyone's going to take it on. I will write and self-publish uh, a book called... Crowdfunded. <laughs> the, it'll be called The Last Ass Eater of Churchville. <laughs> and it's... Uh, <laughs> I don't know Sorry. if you've ever heard of the the Jonestown Massacre. Probably a... a- oh, drinking the Kool-Aid. Absolutely. All right, Man. so... Oh my god! Loosely, okay. loosely based on that, uh, on a, on a cult vibe, right? Um, <laughs> and it's about it's about someone, it's about a you know a young adult who's been brought up inside a cult similar to that, um, and has lived there the whole of their you know youth and and young adulthood, um, and the cult's golden sort of tenet it's it's one big shiny rule is that you are not allowed to eat ass. Not allowed. 
and this this individual oh. dismantles the cult ass by ass. <laughs> One ass at a time. And that's like without giving away too much. That's yeah, that's we, that's the, the general outline. We don't want to drop our ducks and give away too many secrets. <laughs> now we've got to save it, save it for later when we need to kickstart or crowdfund this thing. But uh, you had me at. <laughs> have you heard of the Jonestown <laughs> Massacre? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm writing this uh, erotic novel. Yeah, it's called uh, Last Ass. Blah blah. Uh, have you heard of the Jonestown? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Quiz look. Funding secure. Are you sure it's erotic? <laughs> It's very erotic. Oh, I love this. I love this stuff. Oh, man. This is why I do this kind of thing. <laughs> Sorry, it took, us, it took us almost two hours to get to the... We got two hours to get to the good stuff. I knew that if I could just get through all these other mundane things that everyone else is interested in, we could break Kieran down and we could get to the juicy stuff that I wanted to hear. <laughs> the erotic novel. The oh, whole story, it. if you will. Oh, Fantastic. If uh, I had like a little well-played intro, that would be the, the cutout right now. <laughs> the last thing I'll see you heard of Jonestown? <sighs> well, well, I guess we'll end it on that note. All right, let's do it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming along and, thank and you. chatting and divulging your uh, kind of games media journey. Um, I hope it was interesting. It was definitely, it was, it was definitely interesting. I hope it's interesting to everyone else that listened. Uh, it was definitely interesting for me. And if... Uh, Nobody listens, and only I got to hear all these stories, then I feel blessed. If you've uh, listened this far, enough. thank you, and I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, Simon and Dylan Blythe, <laughs> the, the two that would definitely make it this far. So. <laughs> um, Kieran, where can all the good people find your great stuff? Give yourself a plug. You've got plenty of good stuff, too. Where is it all? Yeah, so you can find me primarily now on Press Start, uh, Press Start Australia, so press-start.com.au. Um, you can also find me over at Well Played at well-played.com.au. Sorry, Zach Jackson. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter, which is probably the best place to just see everything, um, which is hash brown. So hash underscore B-R-A-U-N. Everything as well. Everything. I share everything. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, and if you liked this uh, podcast, you can find us on all good podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, all the good ones, all the bad ones. If you have an Apple or iOS device, we'd love it if you can leave me a review. Five stars, fantastic. Even bad review, they're fine. That gets us uh, discovered as well, apparently. So uh, shout out to that. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Radio Watson underscore on Twitter. Myself at BuddyWatson12 on Twitter as well. Once again, thanks for coming along and... Uh, yeah, I hope you uh, get enough leisure time to to play some play some games when you go too swamped. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. No worries. On behalf of Kieran, myself, buddy Watson, this is Radio Watson. Out. <laughs>